It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a guest who has had just as much, if not more, of an impact on American culture than she did on the sport of basketball. She's a 1996 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a three-time All-American at Old Dominion, an Olympic silver medalist, the first woman in history to play in a men's league, a, a former NBA assistant coach, I mean, a true pioneer in culture, a breaker of barriers, a shatterer of ceilings, both glass and concrete. She is, of course, Nancy Lieberman. Uh, Ms. Lieberman, thanks so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Nancy, I want to start um, in New York, where it really all starts. Uh, you're a New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, the place that so many great basketball stories begin. But in the late 1960s, early 70s, the, the athletic opportunities and dreams of, of a young Nancy Lieberman weren't as fostered and coddled as they would be today, especially even at home, where your mom wasn't exactly feeling your dream. Can you talk a little bit about the way your upbringing shaped you for the, for the early obstacles? Well, obviously, growing up in New York, uh, you know, a woman from the 60s, you know, basketball wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Um, we just didn't have the opportunity. So what happened is girls played uh, against guys. You know, at least I did. You know, there were a lot of women playing sports um, at that time. I just fell in love with it. You know, I was a, a poor kid from a one-parent family growing up in Queens. And for me, uh, you know, playing sports was, a, was about my confidence and my self-esteem and my decision-making. And, you know, my parents were divorcing, so I, I got tired of, you know, sitting around and hearing people fight. And I would go out and I'd play sports. But, uh, you know, I didn't know that I was going to be hit with your tomboy, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're never going to make anything of yourself. Why are you in the, the studios, you know, playing against um, against men? So it was, it, it was hard to take. And so sports became something that made me feel good about myself. You know, my first sport was football. My next sport was uh, baseball, and then around nine or ten years old, I started playing basketball. It's the reason I started playing basketball is because I was playing PNL baseball, and we were getting ready for our first game, and I was uh, the starting shortstop. And right before our first game, the coach of our team, his name was Smitty. And uh, he came over to me and goes, Nancy, you can't play. Uh, they won't insure you because you're a girl. And I looked at him and I went, well, what does that mean? Mm. You won't insure me. He goes, mm. you can't play. Mm. And it really hurt my feelings. And those are the same guys that I was going to play with two hours later. Yeah. And so for me, I just started to, you know, go over to the local Y that we had. And I walked in and I said, I'm a girl. Can I play on the basketball team? Huh. And the guy goes, of course you can. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. And I started playing there against guys in the boys league. It just made me feel so much better about myself. Yeah. And as I started to get a little older, I was always playing, you know, at PS 104, which was right into uh, elementary school. 
and every day the guys would play pickup in the park. Uh, they actually didn't care if I was a girl. Yeah. And then at about 11 or 12 years old, I started to go to Harlem to play at Rucker Park. And I had heard that the best players in the world played at Rucker. And I would just get on the other train, take it into Manhattan, switch trains, and um, go into the park, which was really kind of cool because I had T-shirts in my jacket. I tried to make myself look bigger, stronger, a little menacing. You can't be too menacing at 12 years old, being a, a red-headed little white girl you know, who's Jewish. So I don't know what my menace looked like, but I would just like do it to them before they did it to me. I'd, I'd stare at people on the train like, what are you looking at? <laughs> and so I walked into Rucker Park and these guys came over me and they go, no, girl, are you lost? I said, no, are you? And they were <laughs> like, no. Uh, do you know where you are? I said, yeah. I, I, I heard this is like for all the good players. And I would look at this one guy and I said to him, is your name Rucker? And he goes, no. I said, good, it ain't your park. <laughs> and, and I came here to play. And all these black guys just started laughing, and they they looked at me, so they nicknamed me Fire. And they nicknamed me Fire because they said I was like a little pistol. And so they the guys would wait for me. They would take the train home with me to Far Rockaway. And I can remember walking in the house one night, and my mom goes, where were you? I said, at the park. She goes, I went to the park. You weren't there. I said, not PS 104. I went to Rucker Park in Harlem. And she starts yelling at me. Do you know how bad it is up in Harlem and how dangerous it is getting on the train? And I just looked at her. I go, Mom, I wasn't going to hurt anybody. I just wanted to play. <laughs> and She's just like, you're an idiot. And she goes, who are they? I go, they're my friends. And she goes, how are they your friends? And I go, well, that's Donald, and that's Ronald, and that's Gary. And we won three games together, Mom. They're my friends, and they're hungry. Can you feed them? Mm. So who knew that I was teaching my mom not to be racist, not to judge people, not to profile people? And... It was just such an incredible time for me because I fell in love with this game. The split-second decision-making, um, you know, Willis Reed and Walt Frazier were my heroes. Um, I've been playing my whole career because of Walt Frazier. Um, just being able to get in the park and push myself. And, and, you know, like when the boys would go, okay, we got Danny and we got Eric and we got Nancy. It was almost like saying, you know, you love me and respected me. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just made me feel good about myself. Nancy, it's remarkable. This is not a question. It's just sort of an observation um, that it really does speak to thinking about your transition from baseball to the inclusivity of basketball. It really speaks to the way I think basketball is uniquely positioned. Well, it's not marketed as the American pastime. It really surely does is much more inclusive than any other sport. And, you know, you hear that in the Rucker Park stories. You really do. Well, we knew we looked different. Um, you know, that was a given, but the acceptance, like at the time I didn't understand it, yeah. but when I can look back now, yeah. 
And I wish there's I wish there was a way I could thank so many of the guys in the park yeah. uh, that championed me. I can remember going back and saying, Dad, you know, I was 14 going on 15. I'm going to the Olympic tryouts. I'm going to the U.S. tryouts. Yeah. And they're like, fire, you know you can do this. Oh. You know, people were telling me I was too young and inexperienced. Um, these guys were telling me what I could be, not what I couldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, you know, we'll just keep playing. They just toughened me up. Um, because what I lacked in experience, I gained in grinding and physicality. Look, I was five foot eight, five foot nine, and I could hang on the rim. Yeah. I was like the carnival monkey at Rutgers Park. <laughs> the, the guys would go, fire, hang on the rim. And I'll be like, okay. And I'd jump up, and people are like, oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, I could just jump. That was my thing. Yeah. And the guys were just so proud of me. And, you know, every time, like, I'd make it to a, a tryout, and then my sophomore year in high school, you know, uh, making the Pan Am team at 16, and winning the gold medal, and I remember taking the medal to Rucker Park, and <laughs> they're like, you can't take the medal to Rucker Park, you're going to get mugged. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to show them, I want to show them what, what they helped me get. Yeah. And the guys would wear the medal and look at it, and they were so proud. And I did the same thing with my silver medal, you know, then my senior year in high school, you know, I was 17, and I'm making the Olympic team, and then we won the silver medal, yeah, I remember coming home and, and taking the silver medal uh, to the guys up at Rucker so they could wear it and feel it and, and be a part of, you know, what they helped me do. Um, so there were so many people involved, not in helping me love the game. That was kind of organic. But to help me understand the process of what I was doing. Because yeah. when you're young, you, you play basketball because you love it and you want to meet your friends. You don't play to be a Hall of Famer. You don't play to be an Olympian. You don't play to, to be iconic or a game changer. And you play it for all the, the real reasons. Yeah. Because it, it's a game and it makes you feel good and you enjoy it. And then, you know, I was really fortunate you know, I fell in love with Muhammad Ali when, when I was 10. I saw him on TV saying he's the greatest of all time. I used to tell my mom, I'd walk in the kitchen, and I'm, I'm going to be the greatest of all time. And she's like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to knock you out. And she said, I'm your mother. I'm going to knock you out in two rounds. I don't know what I'm going to do to him. She was him's your brother. I said, he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just kept saying to her, you better get used to me. I'm going to be the greatest basketball player of all times. I'm going to make history. But this man who I didn't know, who looked totally different for me, gave me a path. He was my eyes. And he promoted greatness. Yeah. And it had such an effect on me that, you know, going to the Olympics and then, you know, being able to get a scholarship to college, which I would not have been able to go to college if it wasn't for basketball and meet so many great people and then, you know, win championships. You know, I think we were 125 and 15 
in my third year. You know, we, we, we were 103. We do the math. I think we were 104 and six my last three years, and we won the back-to-back championships. And uh-huh. uh-huh. my senior, going into my senior year, the Olympic committee asked me to do an appearance, a fundraiser at the Stock Exchange in New York. And these are like seminal moments in, in, in my life, it, it was. So I go to the Stock Exchange, you know, great to be home in New York with my mom and my best friend, Barbara. And I'm feeling good about myself, you know, I've already been in the Olympics, I've already won a championship with my team. And I look at the guy from the Stock Exchange, I'm like, so who's the other athlete with me? And he goes, oh, oh yeah, it's Muhammad Ali. I'm like, Muhammad Ali is here? I mean, he's here in the building? And he goes, yes, sir. We're, we're going up to the green room, and it's you and Muhammad. I'm like, he's here? Wow. I, I mean, I, I was like, yeah. I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I was 19 years old, and I was like, oh my gosh, Muhammad Ali is here. And my mom's like, just relax. I walk in the room, and I go to the back of the room because I can't believe he's sitting right there. And my mother goes over to him and goes, Mr. Muhammad, my name is Rainy Lieberman from Far Rockaway, Queens. My daughter, my daughter is the greatest basketball player of all times. <laughs> There's only one greatest of all times, and it's me. She goes, Mr. Muhammad, I know you're good and everything, but my daughter is the greatest. <laughs> and so he kind of motions for me to come over, and I cannot breathe. My hero, my man, is sitting right there. So I walk over, and my head is down, and he goes, your mom says you're good, and I'm like, um, Mr. Muhammad, um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm the greatest of all time. <laughs> he looked at me and he looked at two of us. And I go, yeah. And I was on the Olympic team. And basketball changed my life. And, and I played, I mean, I had like verbal diarrhea. I couldn't shut up. I mean, <laughs> so excited to be with him. He goes, all right, when we're done with this appearance, we just come back to the, I'm staying at the plaza. Wow. We just come back to the plaza. And, and we get to, to talk. So my mom and I and Barbara go to the plaza. And we just start talking. And he, he, could rec- he recognized the fact that all I had in my life was basketball. Yeah. That's the one thing I had to hold on to. Um, and he, he could just see my pain of my childhood. I don't know how. Yeah. And he... Um, he looks at me and he goes, Nancy, there's never going to be a day going forth that I'm not in your life. And I'm like, what? He goes, I'm going to be there every day of your life. Wow. And I was like, I cannot believe this. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to come watch you play. I mean, Sports Illustrated did this 13-page feature story on me my senior year, and I talked about Muhammad. He calls me in college. He says he read the article, and you know he felt blessed to meet a really good person. And to the day he died, he was every step of the way in my basketball career, every decision I would ask him. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Or I'm thinking about coming back and, and, and playing in the 
WNBA. I'm thinking about coming back and playing at 50. Um, I'm trying to coach in the NBA. He was there. I mean, he was there every step of the way. He, he loved basketball, but he loved that I could affect basketball. And we were sitting in his house one day in Phoenix, and it was a long time ago. And he says, girl, a lot of people play the game. Few people change the game. He goes, and you have changed the game. And I looked and I go, how do you know this? He goes, I know. And and he just was so ahead. He knew I was going to coach in the NBA before I started coaching in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. He knew this. Yeah. Because he was the second person I called the night the kids hired me. And he, and eight months before he died, he came to the game with Lonnie. <laughs> and my players are sitting there looking, and they're like, what's the champ doing here? Because he was in a suite behind our bench. Uh-huh. And um, somebody goes, oh, that's Coach's friend. <laughs> Talk about street cred with your players. <laughs> yeah, for real. He took pictures with us. It's crazy. Gosh. So this game has just changed my life on so many levels from the influences of, of you know, Reed and Frazier and, and certainly Julius. Mm-hmm. And then to have the privilege and honor to be around the Hall of Famers. Um, there's not a time that I go up to the Hall or I'm with a Hall of Famer somewhere that I don't just sit there internally and say, how blessed are you? How blessed are you to be a part of this you know, fraternity of amazing people that have had an impact on the game and, and you're, you know, you're on the team. <sighs> wow. You know, so it, it's not something that I take lightly. Nancy, um, it's, it's remarkable to me that, you know, one of the things I always, when I, when I speak to people who are as, as gifted and who have changed American culture, like you have, one of the things I always ask is whether or not, it happened too rapidly to appreciate, but I don't even need to ask you that. The one thing that these last 20 minutes have taught me is that Nancy Lieberman has been present, has been cognizant, and has been well aware of every step of the way. And and it is just an honor and a a privilege for me to have spent this time with you. Um, She is a 1996 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, an All-American at Old Dominion, an Olympic silver medalist, uh, a gold medalist in the Pan Am Games, the first woman in history to play in a men's league, first woman in history to coach in the NBA, a pioneer, a breaker of, 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 of barriers and a shatterer of ceilings. She is Nancy Lieberman. Nancy, th- thank you so much. I, I am, I, I'm humbled by this discussion. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate your time.